0: Welcome to nobody told me. I'm Laura Owens and I'm Jan Black. On this episode, we'll get an in-depth look at the latest thinking on what causes mental illness and what can be done to treat it. Our guest is Harvard psychiatrist Dr. Christopher Palmer, who's the author of a new
1: book that could change your life or that of a loved one who's struggling with mental illness. Dr. Palmer's book is called Brain Energy, a revolutionary breakthrough in understanding mental health and improving treatment for anxiety, depression, OCD, PTSD, and more. Dr. Palmer, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you, Jen and Laura, for having me.
1: I was really touched by the dedication to your book. You dedicated the book to your late mother, and you said, to my mother, my futile attempts to save you from the ravages of mental illness lit a fire in me that burns to this day. I'm sorry I didn't figure this out in time to help you. May you rest in peace. Why was it important to you to dedicate it to her?
2: I guess, you know, at the end of the day, I thought long and hard about that. And I actually thought long and hard about including your story in the book or some of my own personal struggles with mental illness in the book. And I decided not to include them in the book um, because the book really is a science book. It's meant to challenge the mental health field and hopefully advance and transform the mental health field. And I really wanted to stick to science and facts and make it less of a personal story about myself. But at the end of the day, the reason I became a psychiatrist is because of my mom. I saw how much mental illness devastated her life. And I actually was quite angry at the mental health field for not being able to help her because she went to mental health professionals. She went to counseling, she took medications, she was hospitalized, she did everything that they asked her to do and they never got her better. And her life was decimated because of a mental illness. And I saw that unfold in front of me as a teenager and and then for the rest of my life. And that is what ultimately motivated me to become a psychiatrist
0: would viewing mental illness as a metabolic disorder have changed the whole picture for your mother and for everybody else?
2: In many ways, this theory simply takes all of the evidence that we have been accumulating for decades. So it includes genetic studies of what causes mental illness, all of the neuroimaging studies that we've been doing all the basic science studies that we have been doing, all the clinical studies and the epidemiology studies dating back for centuries. This theory takes all of that evidence and puts it together into one cohesive theme or one cohesive scientific theory. And once people see that big picture, or as I kind of like to say, once you see the forest from the trees, you can begin to see the problem of mental illness and how it all fits together and what causes it. But in many ways, it simplifies how we think about mental illness, and much, much more importantly, it offers brand new treatments and solutions. And so for someone like my mother, She possibly could have gotten better and had her life kind of saved um, by doing a dietary intervention, maybe exercising, maybe somebody helping her reduce her stress and manage her sleep a little better when she was going through a horrific period of time in her life. And that may have actually prevented her from developing and experiencing a lifelong chronic mental disorder.
1: So what should we know about what causes mental illness and why it matters? You know, so
2: again, this is something that researchers have been working on for centuries, literally. And right now, if you ask some of the best psychiatrists and neuroscientists in the world, You ask them a really simple question, what exactly causes mental illness? The honest ones will say, Yeah, no one knows. We just don't know. All we know are some of the factors involved. And they include things like neurotransmitters and genetics and hormones and inflammation and trauma and stress and adverse childhood experiences. But nobody knows how those all fit together. Because you know. The brain is really complicated. We still don't really understand how it works. And so we're not really sure what's going on in the brains of mentally ill people. And nobody can figure it out. It's just way too complicated. It seems like... No, go ahead.
0: Oh, no, you go ahead, please.
2: Well, so what, what, what this theory does is that it it rises above all of those individual risk factors and looks for ways to connect them, looks for ways to connect all of those dots, all of them in one coherent way. And that in my mind is the breakthrough. That is the breakthrough that we have been desperately waiting for in the mental health field to connect all of those different factors that we know play a role and put them together in a plausible way that would help us understand why are the brains of people with mental illness malfunctioning, if you will? Why aren't they doing the normal things or the right things? Why are they producing anxiety when they shouldn't be? Or why are they failing to store memories when they should be? Like, what's happening And by looking at mental illness as a metabolic brain disorder, you can actually connect all of the dots that we know play a role. You can understand why symptoms would develop. But again, much, much more importantly, you can develop treatment strategies to help people recover from mental illness.
0: How much of mental illness in America is an America thing Versus something that happens worldwide where people have different diets and different habits in general.
2: You know, the rates of mental illness in the United States and other Western countries have been higher than that in other countries um, for a long time, for centuries, actually. It was largely known that as as economies and countries quote unquote, westernized, as they became developed, um, that certain diseases would usually come with uh, development. And those diseases included things like obesity and heart disease and cancer. That those diseases tended to go along with developing economies, but the other class of disorders that also went along with developing economies and countries or all of the mental disorders, all of them, depression, anxiety, but even schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. As countries developed, they saw larger and larger rates of all of those disorders. And so we've long known that in the United States, prior to the pandemic, about one in five Americans suffered from a mental illness in any given year. Lifetime prevalence rates were about 50%. So one in two people will meet criteria for a mental disorder at some point or another. Um, so yeah, it's. I mean, it is a worldwide burden, I will say. In, in 2017, over 1 billion people on the planet suffered from a mental disorder. And mental disorders are now the leading cause of disability, not only in the United States, but throughout the entire world.
1: And when you say mental disorders are metabolic disorders, what do you mean? What do we need to know about that?
2: So the biggest thing, you know, most people understand that people with mental illness, that there's something going on with their brains. It's just not quite right. Um, they're having panic attacks for no good reason. And even the people suffering these panic attacks will say, I don't know why my brain's doing this. I don't wanna have anxiety. I don't wanna have panic symptoms. Other people might have hallucinations and delusions. Other people might be severely depressed. And sometimes they too can say, I don't know why I'm so depressed. I don't know what's wrong with me. We don't have a good reason to be this depressed. Like I know that I have good things in my life people who love me or a good job or whatever. But for some reason, I am just so miserable. And so I just I I don't know what's wrong with me. And so almost by definition, a mental illness or a mental disorder describes people's brains not working properly. And again, the brain is extraordinarily complicated. And researchers have been trying to figure out what in the hell is going on here? Why are these brains not working right? And it's not for a lack of trying. We have been doing all sorts of research studies looking for this. I think the breakthrough with this theory is that what I'm arguing is that the fundamental cause of the brain malfunctioning is metabolic in nature. And what that means is that just like diabetes and obesity and cardiovascular disease are metabolic disorders so too are mental disorders and what we know is that obesity and diabetes and cardiovascular disease are primarily driven by the environment they are not permanent lifelong disorders that people just have to suffer and bear they people can do things to get over those disorders or to address them or to try to reduce them. Yes, diet is one thing, but it's not just diet. It's also exercise, but it's also sleep. It's also managing your stress. It's also making sure you don't smoke cigarettes or use drugs. It's all of those things, but even something like preventing heart attacks, you have to make sure you don't experience loneliness. You have to make sure you have meaning and purpose in life because people who are lonely and lack meaning and a purpose in life are more likely to have heart attacks. And so what I'm arguing is that mental and metabolic are connected in in inseparable ways. And that what we call mental illness affects metabolism or metabolic disorders, but what we call metabolic disorders affect mental disorders. And that once people understand these connections, and once they understand the science, we can help people recover.
0: I thought it was just fascinating how you talk about how drugs and alcohol impact our metabolism and mitochondria, but withdrawing from them does as well. Can you explain that a little more?
2: Yeah. So- You know, I'm I'm here to rain on people's parades if if they love their alcohol or if they especially if they love their marijuana, since marijuana is legal now in a lot of states, everybody loves it. Um, But the reality is that both alcohol and marijuana are not good for the brain and they are not good for your metabolism and they are not good for these tiny things in our cells called mitochondria. They are both toxic to mitochondria, and mitochondria at the end of the day are these master regulators of our metabolism. And so if you do anything to harm your mitochondria, you're going to harm your metabolism. And that's why people with alcoholism die early deaths. um, And that's why people who smoke a lot of marijuana can have all sorts of metabolic problems and they can die early deaths as well. but withdrawing from those substances can also be problematic because your your brain and body adapt to substances that are suppressing your metabolism or harming your metabolism, and um, and so when you when you withdraw from them, you can actually develop symptoms. And so most people kind of know this with alcohol: drinking tons of alcohol. Let's just imagine picture an alcoholic out of control, drinking a gallon of vodka every day. I think everybody kind of understands that's not good for that person. Right. Um, If that person were to stop drinking cold turkey, all sorts of bad things could happen to that person. That person could start getting the shakes, anxiety, insomnia. They might get sweaty. They might actually go on to have seizures and they could even die from alcohol withdrawal. So none of that is to say that alcohol is good for the person. And none of that is to say that, you know, that person should keep drinking alcohol because all those bad things might happen if they stop. But it means that once somebody has kind of dug themselves into a hole like that, with excessive use of a toxic substance, they might need help getting off that substance. And, you know, we have those treatment centers all over the place. They're called detox centers.
1: And what do you mean by the term brain energy? The book is called Brain Energy. What do you mean by that term? And what is a brain energy imbalance?
2: So I chose the word brain energy because brain energy is one aspect of brain metabolism. So um, I... You know, the better, the better, more precise scientific term for this theory might be the metabolic and mitochondrial theory of mental illness. But that probably doesn't make a good book title.
1: (laughs) It's Um, a little long.
2: (laughs) So so I ended up choosing brain energy for two reasons. One is there are two kind of interesting exciting words and when most people hear brain energy they're like yeah i'd like some brain energy that sounds good i'd I'd like a little more energy for my brain why not yes please Um, so so in one way it kind of sounds like a popular term or trendy term or something but in fact brain energy if you add metabolism um, onto that phrase brain energy metabolism that is actually a scientific term used in the scientific literature to describe this process of producing energy to um, energy for the brain that allows brain cells to function properly, and so in a way, I felt like brain energy was a catchy title that included some science as well and some accurate science. And at the end of the day, I think most of the symptoms of mental illness can be understood by by understanding this brain energy imbalance. And typically what that means is that in most cases, there's one exception, and that exception is hypomania or mania. Um, But all of the other cases, it appears that brain cells have too little energy or not enough energy. And, And when your brain cells don't have enough energy, In a nutshell, what it means is they're not going to work properly, and that can result in symptoms of mental illness.
0: You write about how the brain energy theory explains how seasons and light affect our moods, and I'd love to learn more about that, especially with the winter being upon us.
2: Yeah, so it's interesting because you know one of the beautiful things about this theory, again, is that it ties together things that we have known about for decades. So we've long known like seasonal affective disorder, um, especially this time of year, is really a powerful um, cause of depression, at least in some people. But even in people who have bipolar disorder or other types of disorders, their moods can change with the seasons. And we've long known that. But it turns out that changes in season, exposure to light, they all play a direct role in metabolism. And more specifically, they play a direct role in the way that mitochondria in our cells function. And, And so by understanding this science, we can actually start to put together the pieces of the puzzle to understand why do people start getting more depressed or at least some people? Why do some people get depressed in the fall, in the winter and then get less depressed in the, in the spring, and the summer? Um, why do some people with bipolar disorder start getting hypomanic or manic in the spring and the summer? But much more importantly, It gives us practical solutions, some that have already been proven to work. So for instance, getting exposure to bright light in the morning can be a really powerful way to help regulate your circadian rhythms, your sleep cycles, and also your metabolism and your mental health. Um, And avoiding light at night when you should be sleeping, you should be in a nice dark room, you shouldn't be on your phone or a tablet. Um, You shouldn't be on the computer. You shouldn't be watching TV. You should be in a nice dark room where your body is, you know, feels safe and secure and is ready to sleep.
1: What message would you like to get across to someone who is struggling with mental illness and perhaps feels a stigma about it and wants to get help and thinks like, you know, my problem is, is too big. Where, where do I even begin?
2: The biggest message I want to, the biggest message I want to get across to those people is that hope is on the way. There are millions, literally millions of those people, who are being told there's nothing more that the mental health field can do for you. You're screwed. You have chronic depression and are disabled by it that's the leading cause of disability on the planet right now. Wow. Or you've got bipolar disorder or you're schizophrenic. You're going to be like this the rest of your life. There's nothing that anyone can do for you. What I want to say to all of those people and others This applies to people with mild anxiety and mild other disorders. But what I want to say to those people with the severe unrelenting disorders who are being told, we don't have anything more to offer you. You've already tried 30 pills. You've already tried shock treatment. You've been in psychotherapy for decades. Sorry, we don't have a lot more to offer you. Sucks to be you. I want to tell you. There is a new way. There is a new way to understand your illness. There is a new way to understand your symptoms. And there are entirely new ways to treat your brain symptoms. And I firmly believe that we can get more than 50% of those people better. Am I going to be here and promise that we can get 100% of them better? No, I'm not that foolish or stupid or naïve. I think some people may have rare disorders, rare metabolic problems, um, or hormonal deficiencies that we don't even know about yet, that we, we haven't even figured out the, these hormone systems or something. Is it possible somebody's got something like that? Yeah. But I think for the overwhelming majority of people, we can get them better if we use this overarching theory, if we really understand the big picture, and if we Slowly but surely implement these treatments. I really believe we can get people better.
0: So is it asking too much to 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 ask you if you think that this could be a cure rather than just a treatment?
2: You know, I'm I'm asked that by a lot of people. And I'm reluctant to use the word cure. And the reason I'm reluctant to use the word cure is because. You know, cure usually implies that you can do a treatment for a certain amount of time, and then you don't have to do anything different. You can just go back to your old ways and everything will be fine. And we do have some cures in the medical field we have like antibiotics. If you get a really bad infection, you can take an antibiotic for two weeks, and that cures your infection. And then after that, you don't have to do anything different. That infection is gone, it's cured, it's not coming back. And you don't, you don't have to change your lifestyle at all. You don't have to change your diet or change your exercise or sleep habits or anything. Um, you've cured that infection. Unfortunately, with, with mental disorders and with metabolic disorders like obesity and cardiovascular disease and diabetes, Yes, people can do things to lose weight or to get rid of their diabetes or to prevent heart attacks or reduce heart pains. And what I'm arguing is people can do things to get rid of their mental symptoms and put their mental disorders into full remission. But if they go back to their old ways... If they go back to the same old diet that they were eating, and if they go back to the same old stressful lifestyle habits and they're not getting good sleep and everything else, there's a good chance that illness is going to come back. And so I'm reluctant to use the word cure for that reason. But I do think we can put these disorders into full and complete remission. I think we can help people live better lives. And I think we can, I think we can reduce a tremendous amount of human suffering.
1: So what is the first thing you would advise a person to do if they are struggling with a mental illness or if someone that they love is struggling with a mental illness? Where do you start?
2: You know, I think the first place to start is to learn as much as you can about this theory, because there's not one treatment. There are many treatment options. Diet, exercise, stress reduction, sleep, looking for toxic substances that you might be consuming, whether it's alcohol and drugs, but even some prescription medicines, um, looking for sources of inflammation. So there are a lot of things that people need to consider. And so there's not a one size fits all treatment for everyone. But most of those things that I just mentioned, you all kind of already know. And so, and so what I most strongly recommend, if you can get the book and read the book so you can understand the whole theory, you can understand all of the different treatment options, it's probably the best place to start. You don't have to buy the book. I'm not here to sell my book. Get it from your library. Borrow it from a friend. I don't care how you get it. Um... You can go to brainenergy.com, all for free. We're going to be starting a newsletter. We're going to be giving out free information. I really want this information in the hands of real people so that they can develop effective treatments. If you are already working with a mental health professional, I would encourage you to ask that mental health professional if they've heard about this, if they know about this, if they know about the metabolic theory of mental illness, are there treatment options that they can recommend. Um, If you take it upon yourself to read the book and learn more about it, I want you to push your mental health professional to help you enact and implement some of these treatments Um, because that's the way we're really going to move things forward and help people.
0: And Dr. Palmer, as you know, our show is called Nobody Told Me. So what is your... Nobody told me lesson. I want to know what you wish somebody had told you personally when you were at the depths of just the worst time of your life that you'd like to pass on to somebody else who's at that place right now.
2: Hmm. I think I would have wanted them to say, Chris, although I know you don't believe this and you can't possibly see it now you are really worth something and you are going to be okay. And your life is going to turn out. Okay. And you're going to be useful to people and you need to stay alive and just hang in there. It will get better.
1: And how can people connect with you on social media and the internet? I know you mentioned uh, the brainenergy.com website, but how else can people connect with you?
2: Um, I have another website called chrispalmermd.com. On both of those websites, I'm active on social media. They can follow me on social media. Um, Either of those websites. If you sign up for our newsletter, uh, you will receive regular updates. And uh, we are really hoping to transform the mental health field. And I just want to say we are going to need all the help we can get. This is not an easy task. I am being ambitious and bold. And uh, so if you are interested in change, if you are interested in better solutions for people with mental illness, um, I hope you'll join us.
1: Dr. Palmer, it has been fascinating to talk with you and and it seems like you are really onto something and and we certainly wish you the, the best of luck in getting this message out. Thank you. Again, our thanks to Dr. Christopher Palmer, whose book is called Brain Energy, A Revolutionary Breakthrough in Understanding Mental Health and Improving Treatment for Anxiety, Depression, OCD, PTSD, and more. I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. You're listening to Nobody Told Me. Thank you so much for joining us.